welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Barb Hogg and Britt Hancock, and together they are the chairs of the Guelph and District Health Coalition. Affordability has kind of hijacked the priorities this election, but once it would have been possible to see health care being the number one issue of the 2022 campaign trail. What is health care, though? Is it more funding for our overburdened hospitals? Is it getting for-profit companies out of the management of long-term care? Is it expanding government health care coverage to mental, dental, and pharma? Is it all the above and more? How do we fix it? These are the sorts of questions that the Guelph and District Health Coalition wants answers to, and these questions are essentially the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. Nothing throws issues of healthcare under the microscope like a global pandemic, although they probably don't like the reminder. There was a time before COVID-19 when the current Ontario government was looking at merging public health units and merging local health integration units. Those moves were barely a suggestion, but like most conservative governments, Doug Ford and his ministers have been chased with persistent rumors that the further privatization of healthcare is only one budget bill away. Since the pandemic, though, the inadequacies of our current public healthcare system has been almost literally rubbed in our face. ERs and ICUs were pushed to the limit, critical procedures were delayed, wait lists and wait times increased in size, and the most critical shortfall was long-term care homes becoming petri dishes for COVID exposure, and that was among a population who were among the most vulnerable to the virus. This is where the Ontario Health Coalition comes in, a group whose mission is to protect and improve our public health care system and work to honor and strengthen the principles of the Canada Health Act. Just one problem, though. The Coalition's Bureau for Guelph and Area hadn't had anyone driving local efforts for some time, and that's where Barb Hogg and Britt Hancock come in. They were the two local leaders who stepped up to take over management of the Guelph and District Health Coalition, and they hit the ground running, organizing public protests, virtual information sessions, and they formed a sort of welcoming committee for long-term care minister Paul Calandro when he came to Guelph back in April. As we head into Election Day tomorrow, are they feeling confident that they've made health care the priority it should be in this campaign? That's one of the questions for Hogg and Hancock on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast. They will talk about why they wanted to restart the local health coalition, their immediate advocacy goals for this campaign, and the difficulty in trying to cover three different writings with three different sets of priorities. We will also talk about their concerns about privatization in healthcare, how they respond to the government's argument about how much more they've invested in healthcare the last four years, and how people should be demanding better than just okay when it comes to healthcare spending from the government. And finally, we will discuss the future of healthcare policy, whether the coalition is endorsing any particular party or policy, and what's next for their activism on June the 3rd. So I caught up with Barb Hogg and Brent Hancock last week via Zoom. So joining me here today are Barb Hogg. Thank you so much for coming on, Barb. Thanks for having me, Adam. And also joining me is Britt Hancock. Thanks for coming on, Britt. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me as well. All right. So uh, you two are have found yourselves the co-chairs of the Guelph and District Health Coalition. So I'm sure there is an interesting origin story for that. So why don't we start with uh, you, Britt, since I introduced you second. Why don't you tell us how, uh, how and why you wanted to get involved with the Health Coalition? 
Yeah, um, I've always been involved with disability and accessibility advocacy. I stumbled upon the Ontario Health Coalition just um, through 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 those kind of networks, and uh, I ended up going to one of their larger annual meetings. I overheard them mention that Guelph didn't have any representation, and I threw in my name to say that I would help out and it turns out that there wasn't anyone volunteering to to help lead um and barb barb and i ended up uh leading things we were the ones that uh put our hands and and took the reins <laughs> so barb uh you brit you and brit met and became co-chair so how did you you end up in the co-chair seat I was listening to a radio program and they were talking about the um, the devastation that was happening in the long-term care homes and there was a lady from Advantage um, that's a an advocacy group I think for uh, long-term care so I got the name and found her online and called and they called me back and said that I would be best to help out um, with the Ontario Health Coalition. So I did the same thing. I went on to one of their meetings and found out about um, the same issues not uh, not being covered. The previous person had, had to uh, retire and they were looking for people. And um, I was just so upset when I was hearing everything, like most people were so upset. I had to do something. I couldn't just listen to this anymore. So I, I too wanted to help, and uh, we, here we are. This is way out of my comfort zone. This is nothing, <laughs> nothing like I've done before. So I'm learning a lot, and uh, which is good. Well, circumstances often fo- force us out of our comfort zone, and I, I'm wondering, would this be like healthcare, like and all the various assets uh, aspects to healthcare? Uh, and, and issues involving healthcare, would this be as big an issue right now if it wasn't for COVID nineteen? Like, would either of you be here if it wasn't for, you know, seeing the system being pushed to the brink the way it was uh, during the pandemic? I think I knew what was going on with long term care because um, we had learned for many years what um, Mike Harris had done. So I. I was in. I was a union member, so I was aware aware of it. It didn't directly affect me, um, but I think yeah, COVID definitely brought this to the forefront for sure. I certainly think that COVID amplified things for the general public. Um, for myself, I deal with multiple chronic health issues, and a few of my family members do as well. Um, so seeing the disparities in the healthcare system is certainly not something that's new. Um, we're reminded on a daily basis of backlogs and um, just the lack of investments that are, are being made um, in the healthcare system. It's, it's been neglected for a while and it's not just with COVID that it's been, been showing. It's, it's definitely been amplified because I guess it's been brought to our attention every day for the past, what is it, almost three years now, I think, or two and a half? 
Two and a half. Uh, yeah. Jack, it's all <laughs> going into one, but uh, blurring into one uh, year, I guess, or a few years. But um, it's definitely been amplified, but it's something that has been long overdue. It's been years, decades of neglect. Um, so it's certainly not something that it is uh, just coming out of nowhere. Right, right, right. I was watching the debate with the Federation of Northern Ontario Municipalities, and I think Doug Ford said something that a lot of people are probably going to agree with, even if they might have their issues with the Doug Ford government. And that is that, you know, they've put a lot of money into healthcare. And um, I think if people aren't having those kind of interactions you're talking about, whether it's long-term care, whether it's um, primary care, you know, maybe, you know, it, it's it's good enough or what the Ford government has done is good enough um, in terms of like adding more money and more support to healthcare. So for, for those people who think, you know what, we made it out of the pandemic. Okay. Or we're, we're on our way out of the pandemic in, in okay shape. Why are, why are they, those people wrong? Um, from what I, from what I gather, the money that they're putting in is for building hospitals and um, it's, construction and it's um, hospital beds um, they're still talking about them not repealing bill 124 which uh, caps the the health care workers wages they're not putting money into workers there aren't enough staff to man these or not man but um, well, for lack of a better word, man these beds. Right. So empty beds, they, they're, they're just, for, it's furniture, it's buildings. And um, the nurses are leaving in droves. Um, they're very upset about how he's treated the nurses. And um, so, yeah, I just, I don't buy all the money that they're putting. Like, they could solve so much if they were just treat their, their staff better and uh, stop privatizing more which um, like let's say for our our, um, our blood work that we get uh, life lab right. um, you know the at home care people that are working they're making less money they're leaving there as well because it's it's benefits it's wages it's time it's proper full-time work that none of those issues are being addressed so he can say he's spending money on buildings and beds, but um, yeah, that's. I don't think that's going to cut it. And yeah, a lot of people, um, if they're not directly affected, they they're not paying as much attention. And um, and that's unfortunate. I wish more people were attentive to the issues because uh, we're all temporarily able-bodied. Right. We could end up in. We're all, I heard that years ago. We're all tempor temporarily able-bodied, right. and it can affect any one of us, any one of our families, our friends. I wish more people would be, you know, looking at what the real issues are. Right, and it's worth pointing out too that the province does not cover one hundred percent of those capital costs. Too, ten percent falls on the municipality and whatever fundraising can be done as well. So I would just like to say that. I disagree with them completely. <laughs> um, and the, the point of that is that we're the worst province 
um, for hospital funding, uh, for, for healthcare funding. Um, right. We put the least amount of money in, invest the least amount of money per capita per person um, throughout Canada. Sorry, there was a statistic I actually had about that. <laughs> your, point, your point is well taken, though, um, that, you know, we do kind of have this illusion. And to, to Barb's point as well, um, if your tests and things are covered by OHIP, um, it might seem like you could walk into a life labs and it seems like just a branch of, of government healthcare service. And I'm wondering if you get this sort of quixotically when you, when you're talking to people about your concern about privatization of healthcare and how healthcare is already fairly privatized in, in Ontario. Um, you know, I, I guess, do we fully understand what's going on with our healthcare systems that we do have privatization of healthcare, even if, Nobody's asking for or a credit card or handing you an invoice after you go and get a blood test. Yeah, I don't think most people are aware of um, the the behind the scenes issues when you go in for um, ultrasound from a clinic. You go and you pay. You don't pay. You uh, hand them your card. <laughs> we don't understand the profits behind the scenes. No, um, the more the clinics are private the less access we have to their accountability and the tripling and quadrupling of the charges to the to the taxpayer um, from our public money. So, you know, an MRI could be $200 at the hospital. It could be $800 at a private clinic. No, we wouldn't know that. Right. And then until it start, until they start their upselling, which they've done in different places, um, then people will be paying out of pocket for that for the people that can. Um, but I'm not. I haven't. I'm not there yet. I just know what the blood. I know what the the life labs. You go in. The nurses are run off their feet. You're. It's like an assembly line so that they can get everyone in, and um, and people aren't people. I was in line waiting and. People aren't aware that that's for profit, but you see the nurses running. They're not. I don't think they're treating uh, their staff as well as a as a public system. Mm. And I looked up the revenues, and I saw nine hundred and seventeen million dollars in revenue, but I can't find any more access to find out what what profits they're taking from the public money. So it's all kind of behind the scenes, and so I think we're. I think, yeah, we just need more information that it's hard to get. As opposed to, you know, the the hospital's budget and uh, the Ontario Health's budget, which are all fairly easy to access documents. Sorry, I did find that. So do you mind if I just give you a little information? Yeah, yeah, no, please. Ontario has the lowest healthcare funding, um, the lowest hospital funding, fewest hospital beds and fewest nurses compared to every province. Um, when it comes to programs funding, Ontario actually spends $2,000 less per person per year than every other province. Mm -hmm. So I think just hearing statistics like that are shocking. Mm -hmm. um, I think it, it was in order to catch up, we would actually have to spend $15 million. No, sorry. Within 15 million people living in Ontario, the Ford government would need to spend an additional $30 billion each year just to be average. 
right? <laughs> right. So stuff like that's sickening to think of. It's not a matter of can we do it. It's a matter of neglect. They're not actually wanting to improve the system to help people. Um, other provinces are able to make these investments to make these improvements. It's a matter of choice. Right. Theoretically, it shouldn't matter. How, you know, I guess they could make the point while, you know, 15 million people were so much more bigger. Um, but this is per, this is per capita spending we're talking about. So, you know, no matter how many people we have, we should be able to spend the same. So I guess where are we falling down? And I guess why isn't it, you know, th- these statistics you're talking about, um, anyone who's running for office and, and is saying like, we should spend more on healthcare, like this should be top of mind, but it, it's sort of been left to advocates like you two to, to make this case that it's not just, we need to spend more. It's that we are drastically underspend as it is. And it's not just advocates like us. The Ontario Health Coalition is doing a province-wide um, initiative. So they did their fight back campaign our Ontario Health Coalition has multiple um, smaller coalitions across the province. Um, they also have over 400 um, smaller groups of uh, patient groups, nurses, doctor, um, women's group, equity seeking groups, a variety of different um, <laughs> different uh, individual groups anyways, um, contributing to these matters and discussing it. But if you're talking about parties, why aren't they bringing these issues up? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And that's one thing we as the Ontario Health Coalition and as Guelph District Health Coalition are really encouraging people to ask when people are coming door knocking, ask them, are you committed to enforcing or making sure that our health care doesn't get privatized, our long-term care, our home care? Um, and make sure that this becomes an election issue because it is so vital and important. Mm-hmm. I'd, like, I'd like to add something to that sure. about um, our underfunding for decades. Um, and that uh, Ontario is one of the lowest provinces to fund. Uh, we're also one of the richest provinces. Mm. So it makes it even worse when we, when we hear you know how great Ontario is and we're one of the richest provinces and so you know if that's all great um, why why aren't we doing the right thing why aren't our elected officials doing the right thing by the people by the taxpayers that's that it it just it doesn't even add up mm-hmm. you know they're just sucking the money out they're sucking the money out and uh, and then and then leaving it you know not in a good state so now that they're they're saying that they want to privatize it to help out which doesn't save us money but they aren't saying they want to privatize right they use like these words like find efficiencies and you know contract out it's private private clinics and uh, independent health centers exactly Things yeah. that people people don't pick up on, and they they don't get much coverage by the media. Right. Um, so does does your group and and the broader Ontario Health Coalition like? Is there like 
do you have like a list of policy ideas that you want to see, you know, debated, discussed, or is it, is it just a matter of trying to raise attention to things like the chronic underfunding, the, the quiet bits of privatization in the system that are growing? Um, I mean, do you have, um, I guess, a platform of your own when it comes to healthcare? Um, if you go to the Ontario Health Coalition website, the Ontario Co Health Coalition is a part of the Canadian Health Coalition as well. Um, but the Ontario Health Coalition itself does set out um, a bunch of ass, and we are a nonpartisan group, um, but they keep up to date with, they make it really easy for um, individuals to understand what's going on with all these key issues. Um, they break it down by you know, COVID cuts, restructuring, home care, hospitals, long-term care, uh, mental health, all, all, like, all these different issues. Um, so you can go in and see what's the most up-to-date um, information that's being put out in the media about it. Um, and you can see for yourself and decipher what um, what is happening and um, make it your own opinion. Um, and uh, it's a pretty stark reality. Um, I am of the personal belief that the people who need to be consulted on issues like these are the people that are going to be impacted. Mm. And a like, majority of the people in this group are patients, doctors, nurses, um, seniors, the people who are impacted by healthcare, long-term care, home care, right. um, individuals with disabilities. So the people who are already um, facing the impacts are raising their voices saying, this is not what we want in Ontario. Um, and they're trying to get the attention of um, the Ford government and they're not being heard. Mm -hmm. They're being, the Ford government's hearing well, they're seeing dollar signs and they're not hearing the voices of people. Um, and that's a really big issue. And I, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to what exactly privatization means. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that needs to be cleared up. Yeah, yeah. the for-profit the for privatization model is, the, is um, what they're really against and raising awareness and then they do have ideas about taking for instance long-term care back into the hands of the public instead of the for-profits and they have lots of statistics saying why that should happen mm -hmm. it's not like the for-profits are running them better they're not they're so they they have they've you know they've been at this for decades and uh has they've seen what's been going on and it's a turning point now. If we don't do something about this, uh, you know, are we going to be able to go back out west? They're already talking about going back to pu more public, long-term um, care facilities. So it can be done. They're already talking about it in the west, and they've got plans for that. So you know, um, just you know, the platform is just. Um, taking the profits out of our public system. Well, there's uh, this gets to your point, Barb, about how we, we're all patients 
uh, we will all be patients one day. Um, there's a big uh, demographic change coming. Um, you know, it would be, you know, the more people in long-term care, the, the harder it would be to sort of make any kind of systemic changes as the population gets older too. So, I mean, it, it, it does feel like maybe it's now or never for, for that issue before that, before that demographic explosion comes. Yeah, and Brett made a point about trying to get the Ford government to listen. It's and it's and it's just because Ford's in right now. It's all governments to listen to this because they're being lobbied uh, every which way. Every party's being lobbied. Um, so it's to get the Ford government to listen. Um, but we've recently found out that there's been some misinformation printed in an article in a prominent newspaper. And the Health Coalition has had to um, call, and they are it, the the paper is going to retract the the misinformation that was in their paper. So we'll be hearing more about that. But we just found out about that. So mm -hmm. not, not only are we not, are well, we're kind of getting their attention, but now now some mistruths are coming out. What was the misinformation? Um, just how we were like that we were being backed by certain groups and okay. and it wasn't true and um, I don't know if Britt knows any more about it but um, I just found out that they they are the paper will be retracting it okay I mean, it's I don't know if that that would be defamation but it was definitely not true so to have that go out in the newspaper that a lot of people are reading to negate the the what we're trying to do is a public service. Like all of this is our volunteer time. All of these materials that people are um, donating money for, this this isn't like this is this is to get the word out to to people. This isn't we're not being funded by a group. This is all um, volunteer money, volunteer donations. We're we're putting a lot of our time and monies into this because we want people to know so to have something go out in a newspaper that's not even true um you know it, it's pretty gross mm -hmm. in my opinion right and just to paint a picture for people um where we're talking on zoom barb you are clearly in your kitchen because uh you have uh, a stop privatizing public health care uh placard taped to your microwave <laughs> and Britt is in her office and she has uh signs on on the wall as well so um if if people are thinking this is a professional lobbying operation uh no you are uh you are small little church mice volunteers <laughs> Exactly. And I'm retired. And thank goodness I'm retired. I wouldn't have the time or energy. This is what I, this is what's so frightening is so many people are busy working, getting right. their kids off to school, um, you know, coming home to try to relax, maybe going to their sports or their activities. This is why it's so hard because people there's they're pulled in so many different directions right now. Um, it is up to a lot of people that have some time to help out. I wish more people could get involved and if we can let people know more about it, we, we hope to have more people involved to spread the word. On that note, I really want to mention that yeah. within our group, it is a much older um, group membership. Right. And uh, like I'm one of the younger ones and everyone says, well, younger people just don't have time for this. 
they're, they're too busy with other things. Um, and a lot of my friends are starting to have families and stuff like that. And that is exactly the time when you need to start caring about these issues of healthcare um, and privatization of all health concerns. Um, Cause like Barb said, like health is fragile. Anyone can become disabled or have issues with their health at any time. Um, advocating to ensure that it, be, it stays a public um, program is, is so vital. Um, and so if it's just a matter of resharing something on social media or getting a lawn sign or a window sign or a bumper sticker um, or just educating yourself on the matter is, is so vital. Um, and it's about making time. It's really not that difficult educating yourself on it because I really, I truly believe that people don't care until they need to care <laughs> with right. a lot of things. Right. Um, and by that point, it will be too late. Um, it's it's going to be a really scary situation if we do have a healthcare system that is completely privatized or like a two-tier medical system similar to the U.S. Mm-hmm. I saw a lady at the market when I was handing out flyers and uh, I said, would you take this? Would you like to save our public health care? And she said, I will take it. I'm actually American, but she's lived here seven years. She said, the people of Ontario have no idea what's coming. They have no, like she said, it's so scary. It, they have no idea. Like we are just, you know, going blindly along, not knowing what's coming. And uh, she said, yeah, I'll get the word out. And my sister lived in the States for five years and she was shocked by what she saw. She lived in Utah and uh, like people that know what might be coming, like, you know, it's a slow, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a slow or a, a snowball, but um, you know, this is how it happens. Slow, like we've, we've had the blood test now privatized and I didn't know that until I woke up a little bit, right? Like, I'm like, this is for profit. Hmm. And we have no other choice. Like, I can't say to my doctor, where's the clinic where I can go for a public system? I don't think it exists anymore there. So slowly, slowly, most of home care has been um, for for profit now. Mm-hmm. So we like to pat ourselves on the back that we're better than Americans, but we're, we're not that much better. So there's a lot of false pride there. It seems like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like I mentioned earlier to you before this conversation <laughs> that I'm a type one diabetic, that yeah. I'm constantly reminded about how horrible things are in the United States, obviously with the cost of insulin um, and Things are, obviously, we do have a lot of wonderful things here in Canada, um, things like with the cost of drugs and different things, but um, things are definitely better, but there are things that need improvement. Um, one thing we can't give up, though, is our public system. I can't tell you how, how often individuals tell me how lucky we are for the current system we have, and the fact that I'm reminded that like, like some people say, like, I would rather just pay for my, to go to the doctors because then I would get in more quickly or it would be easier to get into the doctors. And I, I think that's like a grave misjudgment and people don't realize that there's always going to be someone more wealthy than you. Right. Um, and we really can't, it's not a solution. Um because then 
you're always going to be putting people over profits. Um, I don't think people realize. Sorry, Barb. No, I was also going to say um, they won't realize um, that they're at the mercy of their insurance company. Right. Whether your insurance uh, company deems you that uh, something necessary, they don't want to pay out. So now, like we've had that with sick time, people that are lucky enough to have sick time that is covered by an insurance company, um, your mental health, you go to work because um, you don't know if your insurance company is going to cover that. Or if you had sick time paid by the employer, um, you know, your doctor, your doctor's uh, opinion matters more to your employer than it does to the insurance company who just doesn't want to pay out. So right. now you have even the people that have coverage, they're at the, so, oh, it's okay, I have coverage, I'm wealthy, but you're still at the mercy of the insurance company, so you, it's not in your control. <laughs> so be, having a public system is, is um, you know, where everyone is fairly treated equally, not whether you can pay or whether you can't pay. And to get back to something Britt said, too, that, you know, some people will make the point, well, gee, I could, you know, it'd be so much better if I could just pay and then I could get to, into the doctor the way I see it. And I'd be okay paying as, you know, as some people said, but, you know, at the same time, would we not have better health care and easier access if we invested more in health care? <laughs> that, yeah. that was rhetorical. <laughs> yeah, and then, why is it ever better to divide things in half and right. divide, like, your, that you divide your staff in half, you divide all um, your resources in half? Um, it, it's never an improvement. Um, you're getting access to care then becomes of an issue about becomes an issue of um, your ability to pay and not your ability to actually access care. All I can think of is, well, I've been in a situation like this before, but I can just encourage, I want to encourage other people to think of like, think of a family member or yourself desperately in need of needing medical attention and then being proposed with, um, I'm sorry, someone, is wealthier than you or can pay for it right they're ahead of you in the queue and that's what the reality will be and and Brittany's telling uh something that actually we found out about um a few years ago and I, like it happened a few years ago we just found out about it Brittany knows a little bit more um than i do but i was completely shocked that uh an accident person um had to go to Hamilton and they were on such a long wait list until the lawyer got involved and there was insurance company in money. So when there was no insurance company money, they were put at the bottom of the list. This is already going on. I was, I was like, what? So insurance money was there. They got bumped up. So that is already happening, which, I'm sorry. I was shocked about that. Like, but those are like the stories that we we don't hear about um, because, um, or or you know, we kind of write them off as outliers, and you know, we kind of we never we don't. I, I guess we don't ever put the pins on the map so that we see the pattern unfold uh, in front of us. That it, you know, we're we're kind of um, 
in the dark. And we, we kind of all have these anecdotal stories that, you know, paint a real uh, dangerous picture if, if we were to sort of map, map them all out together and, and be able to step back and see the bigger picture. I'm mixing so many metaphors here. but <laughs> I, think that's what ha- I think that's what's happening to me is now that I'm becoming involved in this, we're hearing more stories. Like, right. And, you know, I'm on Twitter and um, with the Ontario, what's going on with the Ontario healthcare, uh, seeing doctors and nurses and what they're saying, like people that are really in it, like the people that are seeing this every day. Mm-hmm. Right. So now, yeah, it's anecdotal when you hear this and that. But when you, like you said, when you start putting the pins in the board and you see the bigger picture, and of course, because we're we're in this Guelph coalition, um, that's what's happening and it's like wow you're you know i just the home care issue um the one man i took a sign to and he's been going through this for years with his wife and now his sister with the long-term care and one was um a for-profit and he said he wished he had never had her there and Mm. so he's you know like he like I'm hearing more of these stories so of course before when I was working and too busy and exhausted and coming home and watching TV every night um, I wasn't hearing any of this stuff so I guess the thing is for people like us to hear more and and let other people know that's what that's all I can do is um, try my best Mm -hmm. and that's, that's all we're trying to do so let me throw uh to wrap up let me throw this at uh, the two of you um no matter who's elected uh on june 2nd what are you going to do on june 3rd what's the next uh what's the next part of uh this to keep uh, all 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 the issues we're talking about in the news barb i have a goal uh we have 124 ridings i want to have a health coalition in every riding Right now, we have, uh, so so our little Guelph District Health Coalition has three ridings. Mm. That makes it very hard for us to get into all those little towns. I mean, Guelph's a pretty good place. We I'd like to have more people know what's going on in the small towns. We've put in some ads in the Wellington Advertiser. Um, we got an article in there. Um, so I'd like... I'd like instead of us having three uh, ridings, that we had one riding and that all of those other ridings have their own coalition. I took signs up to Southampton to do the Huron Bruce. Um, I took signs to Caledon to a lady who's willing to put her name down, but they don't have a coalition. So out of 124 ridings, how many are we short? I'm not, I don't have the answer for that, but I would like to start building this so that we have somebody committed in every riding to um, get this message out there continually so that we can hold the uh, government accountable and and our our elected officials um, you know can be held to the fire (laughs) (laughs) fair enough fair enough Uh, for those that uh 
<laughs> well, obviously you can't see my face, but I just really enjoyed your shrugging of the shoulders there. Um, I don't know what the proper, uh, you know what they say, yeah. hold, hold, their, hold them accountable is what I'm trying to say. Hold so their feet we, to the fire is what you right? mean. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so Britt, um, Barbara wants to dry, take fewer long drives. How about you? <laughs> yeah. Well, this doesn't stop when like regardless of what party gets elected um, and regardless of what party gets elected, we know there's going to be issues with healthcare um, and long-term care and, and home care um, because there's been 30 years of neglect. Right. Um, and I hope everyone knows that like, it's not going to get fixed overnight. This is going to take time because like we mentioned, like it's been inadequately, underfunded for three decades um that being said it doesn't mean it can't be fixed we can't um we can start paying people properly nurses can be um can start getting adequate wages um we can start giving at least like 10 paid sick days um start treating people like human beings um and long-term care homes start treating seniors properly um start treating individuals with disability with dignity and respect actually giving them enough money to live um so it's not all necessarily with the ontario health coalition but i like continuing to push people to do the right thing um because it, just because it's election day you've casted your vote that's that's the smallest part right <laughs> um so i encourage you to join these groups and um, we are a very new revitalized group and we need help. Um, <laughs> we just have a small group. I hope there wasn't too, des- too much desperation in my voice there, but um, <laughs> we, we do. Um, and I hope we were able to voice to you that there, this is a really large issue. Um, and everyone needs to be paying attention to it. And like no contributions too small. So if it's a matter of just attending like one or two meetings, so you can learn a little bit about what's going on. So you can tell your friends and family, or if you can't contribute any time going onto the Ontario Health Coalition website and donating some money so that we can fund some of our projects. Um, Barb and I both have been putting personal funds into some of the stuff for the election and like our other group members. Um, just to get it off the ground. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're not able to do things on like putting in your, your time, like also like financially helping is, is wonderful. Um, I, I feel like there's just so many things that I, I really wish we would have been able to get across today, but we, we really just didn't really even touch upon a lot of them, <laughs> which, is, which is fine, but it's just, there's just so many things that, um, need to be improved to, right. to um, improve patient care. And without rambling on too much, I guess if my only ask for people listening is to reach out to the people who use long-term care, home care, and um, like healthcare frequently and ask like, what do you think needs to be done and take that into account when you cast your vote um, and see what party platform has the best option right now. 
well, Britt, I think you just laid the groundwork for doing a sequel uh, to this podcast sometime in the future. So we'll have to keep that in mind. But for today, uh, Barb Hogg and Britt Hancock, I thank you so much for all your time and uh, for your dedication to the cause. It was good talking to you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you so much. And once again, that was Barb Hogg and Britt Hancock. You can learn more about the Guelph and District Health Coalition on Facebook at Guelph District Health Coalition. You can also get more information about their umbrella group, which you can find at the Ontario Health Coalition website, which is ontariohealthcoalition.ca. That's ontariohealthcoalition, all one word, dot C-A. Election Day is tomorrow. That is, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. So Election Day is Thursday, June the 2nd, and we will be going live to air with the results starting at 8 p.m. on CFRU 93.3 FM or CFRU.ca. You can see the voters' crib sheet as well with links to websites, interviews, and debate coverage over at Guelph Politico if you are still having trouble making up your mind about who to vote for. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, out of the University of Guelph. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Source's Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com if you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico. You can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, you can check out guelphpolitico.ca where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you this time next week and until then we will see you next time